can't tell you how how much relief it was to be told for my mates like I, I hear you and I'm sorry if you're like that and you know it is and just having someone to openly talk to about how you're feeling about certain, certain situations that it, it was just uh, a whole weight lifted being able to talk to them about it. Welcome to the Find The Gap podcast, where we're going to focus on the health and well-being of the support personnel and practitioners within high-performance sport. This will act as a platform for practitioners to share their own insights and experiences that have helped them progress to where they are today, as well as be a safe environment in which they can touch upon moments of vulnerability and other emotional battles in which they've had to overcome in order to be successful. My name is Sam, and thanks for joining me on the Find The Gap podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Sustainable Sports. Sustainable Sports is an apparel company designed for every athlete. Every piece of apparel is produced and made from recycled plastic bottles, which at the end of the period of use can be returned to be remade into the new model. 80% of discarded textiles can just sit there for more than 200 years, which emits methane, a powerful greenhouse gas that is more potent than carbon. Sustainable Sports looks to be the apparel company that uses 100% recycled polyester fabric to help protect the planet. Their products are designed to look and feel great in order to boost the performance of those wearing them. Sustainable Sports understands the difficulties in community level sports and the struggles that local clubs have to endure throughout the season to get the players on the park. Sustainable Sports is made up of the individuals who are passionate and involved within sports at the grassroots levels. Today I'm talking to Jacob DeConnick, who's the Director of Synergy Strength down on the Mornington Peninsula. They, alongside Peninsula Barbell and Evolve, are quickly becoming the pinnacle of strength down the peninsula. So Jacob, like most people in the industry, have a deep passion for helping people. And you'll hear in this episode that this passion can sometimes come at a cost for his mental health and well-being. Jacob has been coaching in the industry for five years now and has created an established business with Jack Barry, his partner in Synergy Strength. Synergy prides itself on coaching with knowledge, understanding and compassion, looking at all facets of health, not just what you do in the gym, but instead looking at progression through nailing what you do outside the gym as well as what you do within the gym. So here we go with the episode with Jacob. It's a, uh, a shit tire to going to get married right now. Um, <laughs> nah, yeah, that's hard, man. That is very, very hard. Perfect, mate. Jacob, good to have you, mate. How are you? I'm doing well uh, amidst the current lockdown we're in, but yeah, doing the best we can, staying moving, staying healthy, drinking lots, and maybe kick, ticking the boxes I can tick. Drinking lots. What, what are we drinking? <laughs> always, always water. Always water. <laughs> it's almost like second nature now. It's like you just fall back into your lockdown, you know, protocol that you just do when you're in lockdown. And um, which is a bit sad, but that we have a, a lockdown routine down pat now, but it's kind of just the way we've done it. <laughs> yeah, man. Now, um, how I thought it would be a good way to start would be for you just giving a bit of like a background yourself, where you're from, you know, education background and where, where you are now. Yeah, easy. Well, uh, born and grew up on the Mornington Peninsula, all down here and, you know, all through primary school and high school, I hated sport, uh, which is kind of ironic. And then year 10 came along and it all changed and I fell in love with sport and the human body and how we function. Um, and I thought it was just fascinating about how energy is created and how it moves in our body and how it allows us to, you know, grow and change and, you know, morph into a different 
different ways that we look and how we feel. And then ever since year 10, I knew I wanted to be in this health industry. And then once we graduated high school, moved to, didn't move, stayed where I am, but went to Deakin uh, and studied sports science, did that degree, came out of it. And I did internships all throughout my degree, more than we had to at uni, thinking that it was going to help me post uni and then came out of it and had no job lined up and was, you know, still working at good old Kmart, earning my own money and had no nowhere to go. Very lucky that I finally reached out to one of my old intern bosses and who ran his gym and he put me in contact with uh, a little boutique studio uh, in Moynton called Emma Lab Studio and I went down there on a whim and met with her and she was game enough to put her money on me and as a new coach who had no idea of what he wanted to do in the industry. Um, but yeah, started training and coaching out of there and that's where I was lucky enough to meet yourself, um, coaching at Emma's. And then yes, yeah, three or four years there, uh, it just, my business synergy grew and grew in terms of clientele. Um, and then last, uh, so this year, actually, we decided to move, move gyms. We outgrew Emma's um, and its culture and it's where it was um, and what we wanted to continue or where we wanted to grow um, and move towards. And we moved to a gym in Somerville called Peninsula Barbell. And it's just kept on growing from there. And we are now starting to create a really cool culture and community around strength and training and progression, which is fantastic. Mate, because you just you graduated a while ago, but you could say you came out of university quite, you know, not not too far um, back in the past. First day out of uni, graduated, done. Yep. Said you came out, you still in, in Kmart. You know, what, what, yep. what, what, was going, what was going through your head after graduating? Find a job. Um, I think my mindset is always to progress and move forward and to constantly, you know, keep improving on myself and where I want to be. So coming out of uni, I was uh, kind of deflated that I didn't have or hadn't sorted out a, you know, a next step. Um, and so I spent oh, probably like another two months or three months post finishing uni, just kind of like looking for a job and trying to find somewhere to go and what to do. And I know all the internships I'd been at, I tried working there and they just said, are oh, you too fresh, not enough experience. And that's what I kept on getting told. And so I was like, well, cool. It came around to like, I didn't, I, I didn't originally want to work for myself. I had no aspirations to own a gym or, you know, do that area. I just wanted to coach. And so it came around to Feb the following year. And I was like, I still haven't got a job. And this is the only opportunity I had. I was like, well, if no one's going to hire me, I may as well just do it myself. So I, you know, coached. I was lucky enough to get a place with Emma um, to have a space to coach out of and help her coaching. But yeah, I was like, well, I'll just do it myself then. <laughs> And now with Synergy and yourself and Jack, um, yep. still partners in crime, and I'm assuming you and Jack. Yeah, Jack's, Jack's doing well. He's growing and getting stronger every day and outlifting me tenfold, which is amazing. <laughs> now, yeah, you and Jack being partners, just tell me about the importance of having someone like Jack being involved in what you're doing. Yeah, I, I was, well, I hired Jack um, November not last year, year before, um, and then last July became he became a full time employee um, with us, and then November that November I was what two and a half almost three years into running my own business um, with no business degree, no idea what's what in the industry, and I was running on absolute fumes. I was like 
you know, doing, saying yes to everyone, doing whatever I could to, you know, get clients in, help clients and just help people and then try and also grow a business and do tax and all that finance stuff that I'd never got taught. And so I was, yeah, burning out pretty hard and I was on a path to not coaching anymore. And I was like, I need to somehow find a way to grow the business without putting more time into the business myself. And luckily enough, Jack was doing his intern hours with me and coaching under me to get tick off his cert three, four. And I was like, well, here's a great opportunity for me to have someone work for me and I can grow the business without having to put more time in. So um, I was like, hey, do you want to keep working here and get paid for it instead of doing it for free? And uh, he said yes. And he's been an absolute godsend with helping me know where to go and how to progress and talk to him about where we want to take the business and um, what's the best path to doing it. I don't think Synergy would be here or anywhere near here if it wasn't for him. Um, I probably would have definitely stayed in my bubble and not progressed nearly enough as I am now. And I didn't have, I wouldn't have had someone to talk through everything, all the big decisions that we made um, in moving, especially to uh, where we want to take the business in the future. So having someone there to one, support, two, talk me off the edge when I have some big, crazy decisions and thoughts in my head and just keeping grounded was amazing. And I'm so grateful for Jack because of that. Nice. And you mentioned that little passage there that you would say, yes, 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 to everything, you know, yes, getting this client in. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll help you doing this. Or yes, I'll take this opportunity. Yes, I'll take this extra burden, whatever it might be, adding on what could be opportunity, but could also be stress for yourself. Like... Have you now appreciated the way to say no within the industry? Uh, no. <laughs> That's ironic as that is. Um, our industry is, um, I think it appeals to people who, like myself, who are people pleasers. Uh, I definitely am a people pleaser in any way I can. Um, I would go out of my way to help people and make sure they are, you know, happy and they get what they want um, towards the detriment of myself. Uh, I think it's just that industry. And at the start of PITs who fresh out training and are new in the scene, I think saying yes to everything is a good thing because it gives you the opportunity to learn and try different things and be exposed to clients that you wouldn't normally say yes to. Um, but at that same time, after a few years in the industry or when you get towards being full hours, it's a time where you need to start to say no to things because you're no longer, I like to think of it like the analogy of a cup. Uh, you got to fill your own cup before you can give it out to others. Um, and that's what's probably the biggest thing for me now. Trying to say, see what clients or what jobs or like, you know, uh, things are that are going to give me energy and what are just going to take away. So I, I know I need to get better at it, but it's very hard because I have the mindset of I need to make everyone happy and I need to help everyone get to what they want to get towards and what get towards their goal, um, even if it is me up at midnight messaging clients um, and helping them or if it's doing a session on a Sunday morning when I just want to sleep in or it's doing crazy long hours. It's a hard battle, uh, but I'm getting better at it in the terms of now I'm trying to look at it uh, outside myself and be like, is this client going to give me energy or is this going to detract from my coaching? And 
I'm not great at it, but I'm just getting better. And I think it's just a battle we all have to work towards and kind of give ourselves the permission to say no to that session or that client. And we overthink it in our heads a lot. So am yeah. I getting better at it? I'm getting better, but I'm, am I good at it? Nah, not really. <laughs> you, you mentioned that you would do that and you do it at your own expense, whether it be sleep, you know, rest or, you know, rest, like you said, a sleep in. Um, Just but- like, energy. like I, I'll coach a client that detracts a lot of energy from me. Um, and then I'll go on to another client and I'm already drained going into that second session. And it's like, that's not fair on my second client. Uh, yeah. They pay for my service. They pay for my, my knowledge and my enthusiasm. And if I coach someone who I don't enjoy coaching or I'm up late the night before helping a client and don't get enough sleep and I come in tired and unrested, then I'm giving a subpar service to a client that doesn't deserve that. So whilst people think it's selfish saying no, it's also kind of mm, you're detracting from the people you're giving your service to. So it's not really being selfish. It's also being selfless in helping them. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to replay in my head every time I have a decision where I want don't want to say yes to someone. Um, I just try and, you know, think it through. Like, is this going to help me give to other clients that I actually want to give help to? Um, or is it best if I just suggest to this client, maybe you go see my friend around the corner who's another PT. He has more times available. He enjoys coaching this type of clientele or, or you're, what you're trying to look for. Um, just saying no doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like you're probably helping them in the long run because you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to give them your everything. Why don't you give them to somebody or refer them to somebody that's going to be passionate to help them. Would you say that now that you've been talking about it a little bit more, you'd say no more often? Uh, I'd like to say that, yeah. Uh, I think when you're in that situation, though, your judgment's very clouded. Mm. Uh, I'll sit in a... I had a new client the other day where I was in the lead up to it. I was like, I don't think I can help this person. Um, I think it's just going to give me more stress than it's worth. And um, I went into it thinking that and I came out with came out of it with two sessions booked in the following week. So I was like, wow, that didn't work out very well. Um and then true to fruition, they, they flaked, they canceled. And I knew they were probably going to, um, and it just became more stress and more of a headache than it was worth it. So I think having the intention going into it was good. And that's a good progression to where I was before, but I think following through is now, you know, hard. I just want to make sure everyone's happy and saying no is hard, but, um, having those, I think having those pathways for me to refer them elsewhere is, is the best way to do it. Um, and most of the time, my clients don't even think they think the thoughts that I think they think. So, keep that five times um, faster for me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 it's um, and I think that's what I constantly deal with is that overthinking. And it's what I constantly struggle and work with. Um, and anyone that is close with me knows that I'm a big overthinker. Um, and that's my biggest, biggest struggle. So, when it comes to saying no in this situation, I'll overthink what they are probably thinking about me and their disappointment and their frustration or their sadness. And it's probably nine times out of 10, it's not the case. And they haven't thought about that at all. They just think that I'm helping them in another way. And they think, Oh, you, you kind of better service for me to go towards, or yeah. you kind of better way to do this. Um, um, with well, PTs wearing a lot of hats, as you think 
you're aware of, you know, sometimes you're a therapist for some people. Um, yeah. If, if someone's dealing with stuff that is just out of your, you know, comprehension or out of your uh, control, uh, but they're obviously blurting it all out to you and and you're seeing they're trying to teach, for example, a squat or a deadlift to someone who's blurting on about their recent breakup or their their own, you know, emotions and, 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 uh, and mental health issues. How do you address that situation? First off, it's like being that person, the like, ear to listen for them to talk to is, I think, half the reason people pay me. Um, I went into this industry thinking that I'm going to teach someone how to squat, deadlift, bench, get stronger. But now I am very much aware that 50% of people's payment towards me is just to have someone to talk to that cares about them. For a lot of clients, that's probably like the only hour in their week that they can actually talk to someone openly about how they feel and have someone actually listen to them. So going into it, it was a very big shock in that first year that people aren't just paying me to learn how to move. I think the biggest thing for me in that situation is being open about what I do with my mental health and how I handle it. It can be my place in certain situations to say, hey, you need to get help for this or you need to see someone else apart from me. I'm not the right person. But I think sometimes if I said that to a majority of my clients, I'd probably cause more harm than good. So I think you can't, it's in a situation where you can't lead a horse to water or make them drink, whatever that say, saying is. I, I think it needs to come from them and it needs to come from their mind that they want to seek help or see someone about this. So I'm more than open with all my clients about, oh, I got my, I'm seeing my psychologist this week. Um, I've got an appointment on Thursday and I'll talk about what I talked about in my appointment if I feel comfortable with it and explain to them what I'm doing or that I felt sad one day and I had a crap day and what I did to help get through it. And I think I'm talking about it in what you do and how you do or deal with the situations that unfold for you and what you're feeling is the best way to help them. Um, because, you know, people will follow what other people do. Me saying it, actions speak without other words, me saying, go see someone or go and meditate or, you know, do something for yourself. Nine times out of 10, that hasn't worked for me. I'll tell a client who's highly stressed that they need to spend 10 minutes doing something mindful to help get out of their head. They won't do it. But if I tell them about how I did this really cool meditation or I went on this really nice walk then and I tell them about it, then I have more success with clients looking after their mental health if they are listening to what I've done. And then leading on to that, man, how do you feel that, that kind of physical training is for, you know, your own mental well-being? Yeah, I think that's the, the whole, I constantly want to improve and progress and feel accomplished. Um, training for me is a tick in the box that I've improved today. Um, it's a very fine line about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I guess, but um, improving makes you feel good and makes you feel like you've achieved something and that achievement is um, amazing for your mental health that you feel good you get that dopamine release that you've actually done something that day um i'm not one that can put my feelings into a barbell unfortunately um some clients can come in having a crap day at work and they can put all their emotions and their anger into a barbell but if you met me i'm not the most angry person unfortunately so i can't come in with all these emotions and let it out in the gym, I hold on to mine very, very tightly. So for me, training is more of a 
tick the box, you've accomplished something today and you've improved. So for me, if I that's why I hired a coach because I knew how much ticking a box and accomplishing it means to me and how it makes me feel and how it makes me feel better about myself and my self-esteem and my self-confidence. And I know that I need to do it to, to feel that confidence and feel that, that pride. Um, and so I made sure that I put all the safety bar- uh, you know, safety things in, in place that I could keep doing that. So I hired a coach to keep me accountable. I hired him to make sure I do the work. I, I train with Jack and with my housemates to make sure I'm, I'm there um, because I know if I did it myself, then I'd probably wake up on Friday morning and be like, no, nah, I'm not going to train today. I don't feel like it. But I know after training, I feel amazing for it. And I put all those, you know, backup th- plans in place to make me do it. Training partner, coach, um, making sure I set time out my calendar to do it because I know after the fact it's going to do wonders for me and keep me, you know, sane and progressing forward and feeling good about myself. Well, taking a bit of a different turn just from training, but what are you as a person, what are you struggling with the most like right now? I mentioned it before. Um, and it's probably the thing I talk about to my psychologist in many different ways, but it always comes down to the same thing of that overthinking. Um, if you ask my partner, she'll tell you very, very easily. That's my number one thing. Uh, we'll wake up in the morning and I'll be like, oh, you drank your coffee with your left hand today. Does that mean that you're angry at me or are you worried about something? Like I'll overthink every little thing. Um, they're probably not that bad, but I, it's um, my number one thing is overthinking everything. And um, when it comes to like clients, uh, I'll, you know, if they're, they say something with a little bit different tone or, they're not super energetic that day or I'll overthink everything I'm doing with them. And if it's the right thing to do, if it's not the right thing to do, if I've done something wrong or um, if it comes like, for instance, with Jack, I'll overthink, or he's not super energetic today. Have I done something to offend him or am I not doing enough as a, you know, as a boss for him to you know progress or is he, does he need something for me or oh, how can I fix this? So I'll, overthink a lot of things and that's why I struggle with the most um and I will you know kind of go down that rabbit hole of I've done something wrong and I need to fix it and if I can't fix it or well, what I'm doing is not fixing the situation then I kind of get very caught up in my head about what's going on and I feel very um anxious about that situation so that's why I struggle with the most and I guess leading on to that is like how I fix it or how I deal with it <laughs> I would love to know. So if you have an answer, please let me know. Um, I'm, I'm going to answer for you, but I've got a lot of people who are they're very similar. I'm, I'm very similar as well. And then I, I think what helped me a few years ago was just, I just going for a walk, right? And it wasn't, it wasn't the walk that helped, but it was when I went for a walk and I had dinner with my phone and my earphones with me, uh, I look around and something shitty be going on in your life. And then you look around, buses going past, birds going past, people walking their dogs. And then I don't know why, but just the bus coming past is like, you know, the, the bus is still running. The schedule's still on there. That lady's still pushing her brain. She's got work in the morning, whatever it is. Like things just keep going. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Like, yes, you know, a client might be upset with you. You might be overthinking it, whatever it might be. It'll get fixed. Don't think about it too much because just things will just keep ticking over. You know what I mean? It'll figure it out itself out eventually if it's meant to. Um, and that, that helped me. That helped me. That's not that's not any kind of like thing that's going to help everybody yeah everyone's on their own journey and everyone has different different ways and i don't think any one way is the best way um 
exactly. And I think uh, it's probably one of the coolest things about the human body is that not one thing fixes everything um, and that everyone you know, has different ways to deal with different things and progress. Um, just how like a squat isn't the best thing for everybody in the gym. You know, one way of dealing with different situations isn't the best way. So, uh, but I love that analogy. Like everything, the world still turns no matter what. Um, and I think for me, that's pretty similar to how I deal with a lot of my overthinking. And it's like taking a step back and being like, nah this isn't all about you Jacob like Jack might be a little bit down today because he had a crap sleep that has nothing to do with you and it's not your fault um or just taking a step back and being like it's not your role to fix everything it's it's not my job to you know fix every aspect of my client's life even though I'd love it to be uh and I feel like it is and the weight of, my, the, weight of the world's on my shoulders every time I have a client like that um just knowing that it's not my not my role to fix everything and what's in my control is what we are doing in the gym right now and i'll nail that and anything outside of that gym um within reason isn't isn't mine to to not so much worry about but isn't my job to fix mm. yeah yeah control the controllable and if something comes up from other people like jack or a client or whatever it's always best to assume the best of people um yeah they react differently. Their problem. <laughs> I think, yeah, exactly. It. Assume, assume the best, um, because most of the time, that's nine times out of ten is the right answer. Uh, it's very rare that a client will be angry at me. Um, I don't do that many things that will piss off clients. <laughs> I like to think so. Yeah. Well, if everyone knows you as a person, that's a very rare thing. I think for you to piss anybody off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone tells you that. Unfortunately, the brain doesn't doesn't quite agree all the time, but it uh, it's interesting. Like I'll I'll chat about. I, I feel like I'm pretty open book about my mental health with clients, with my friends. Um, I think that's number one, number one thing that helped me improve my mental health. Uh, all through high school and all through uni, it was very much like a solo thing. And you're okay. You're not that bad. And it's what you feel isn't important enough to worry about uh, I guess downplaying it in your head that you know you're just being weak it's just like everyone has anxiety but your anxiety is not the worst in the world so you just got to toughen up a little bit so I think the number one thing that made me or helped me improve and make me feel better is that I was open and vulnerable to my friends my clients and everyone around me that this is how I feel um, this is what I do to improve and by doing that allow them to be open about themselves and, you know, give space and talk about it and be like, Hey, Jacob, that's actually not a true thought. I don't feel like that. <laughs> uh, what your brain's telling me uh, or telling you that I feel isn't actually true. Uh, I think that's, that's been a, a massive. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing. Like there's a very masculine kind of attitude, like, Oh, you know, people are feeling worse than this. I uh, don't need to feel the way I'm feeling. It's not necessary. I'll just keep going. I'll just, you know, muscle through it kind of thing. Um, but, you know, even if it's not the biggest worry in the world, like, yes, you're not starving and yes, you're not homeless or anything like that, but, you know, there's still thoughts that need to be recognized. Otherwise they're going to just dig deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, and to not recognize that it's almost doing itself a disservice. And you said you got, obviously you're seeing, you're seeing someone and talking to someone about it and you've got your friends and everything, but are those your only kind of like real ways that you find support or have you got any other things you, you use like techniques to, to combat that? 
Well, yeah, well, so number one, like you mentioned, like my yeah, my support network is is huge, and seeing Kate, my psychologist, every I know month or couple of months or so was um, a huge step forward for me and taking that leap. I think personally, everyone everyone should see a psychologist like a PT. Like it's a PT for your mind, and that's how I view it. And I don't think there's any any shame or any issues around seeing someone. I think it's just I'm just getting you know, mentally tough is probably not the right word, but, you know, just improving how I healthy my mental health is, is the same as me going to see a PT to improve my fitness mm. just in the mind. So that was a huge step for me. And I tell anyone I meet or anyone who asks that they should, if they want to go see someone and get help from them. Um, and then, like I mentioned before, being, being vulnerable and talking to my mates um, and my partner about, mental health was a huge vulnerability um, and scary as all get out. I mean, when I first started seeing Kate and my psychologist, I would, you know, not tell my, my housemates and my, my best mates, oh, I can't train today. They're like, oh, why? It's like, oh, I just, I can't because I had to go see a psych, but I didn't tell them because I felt that, that shame or that embarrassment about it. But very quickly within a couple of sessions, I was like, wow, I, I, there's nothing wrong with this. And, I think there's a lot of power in it and being open and talking about that to them about it. They, they loved it and they were like, what well, is this cool? And they, they very much were receptive and helpful. And by me talking about it, they opened up to me and they, you know, were willing to help and talk through what I was thinking and how I was feeling about certain situations. And that was, I, I can't tell you how, how much relief it was to be told for my mates, like, I, I hear you and I'm sorry if you like that. And, you know, it is, and just having someone to openly talk to about how you're feeling about certain, certain situations that it was just a, a whole weight lifted being able to talk to them about it. And from there, like now they talk to me about how they're feeling um, and about how, what they are dealing with. And it makes you kind of be like, well, I can now help you from this same situation. So it was, um, yeah, it was scary as hell, but it was, really really rewarding in the long term especially talking to like my partner about what i deal with and how i overthink certain situations it's like scary as hell because that whole you know societal norm of men shouldn't have to feel like this and like they should be strong and you know don't have to deal with emotions um so trying to break that stigma in my mind and tell my partner you know i was anxious about this situation or i feel overthink this or i overthink that was scary at the start but you know it wasn't it was amazing to talk to about her about that and I think we grew closer because of it and I'm still I still deal with it now like I still overthink oh should I tell her this should I not tell her that um but I'm getting better at being open and vulnerable mm. um and then I think leading on to it how I deal with it now um so I have my support network and the number one thing I've found that helps me deal with it and it helps me you know, think through and be okay with how I'm overthinking certain situations was um, just writing it out. So originally I started with like just journaling and then I used to like follow the whole like gratitude three things and then what do you want to accomplish today and all that kind of stuff. But um, what's, you know, through all that and through trying that for months on end, I found that the number one thing for me is just literally pen and paper and just writing and just writing without thinking, without, you know, I just, I just let my hand go for five, 10 minutes and just 
pour out anything that's on my head. Um, and I think seeing it on the paper is, I don't know, it helps you just be like, hey, this is a thought. It's not actually me. It's just a thought that I'm thinking. It's now on paper. I can physically, tangibly see it now. Um, and it's outside my head and does wonders for me. And how just makes me realize what are you actually feeling and what's the underlying emotion and what's the underlying thought here um, and then helps you deal with it. It doesn't have to be pen and paper. Like nowadays, it, I, I get a little bit caught up with time and I'll sit there and I'll eat breakfast and I'll just whip up my phone, open up a new notes and I'll just write what's on my head. Um, I especially noticed that in the last, oh, well, lockdowns especially, I've noticed that I can't sleep at night uh, when we go into a lockdown. So like the past three nights, um, I've had shocking sleeps. Uh, I just wake up every couple of hours and toss and turn and I'll have all these thoughts in my head about what I need to do, how I need to get through this, what I, you know, who I need to talk to, who I need to contact, payments and that kind of stuff. And so I'll, yeah, in the morning when I have breakfast, I'll just, in that situation where I feel overwhelmed and I'll just whip my phone right out without stopping, just typing out exactly what's on my head and then being able to see it and it's there. Just, I don't know, I feel like my head just decompressed a little bit. For sure. No, thanks for sharing that, man. That was good. Um, would you say that you're, when you were sharing the fact you were going to go see a psych or someone to support yourself, um, would that be where you were most vulnerable? For sure. Like one of the most vulnerable times in my life. Um, I think purely because of that stigma around, I'm sure women feel it as well, but for men, it's very much that stigma that we shouldn't feel emotions and that we need to be tough and, and that, that rock um, in people's lives. So it was very, very hard, but I realized very quickly that the guys in my life and I think in pretty much everyone's lives don't feel that same stigma and they, like, they feel that stigma, but they don't agree with it in a sense. Like we don't think that if you feel emotions, you are less of a man at all. And it was very vulnerable and very scary, but um, it was probably one of the most rewarding things I've, I've done and, you know, being able to open up to everyone. I'm going to hit you with a few questions, mate. They're going to be like quick fire questions. First one, what's a, what's a skill or ability that you've overstated or overestimated to people or oversold in the past? In terms of life or in the PT industry? Either. I think in PT, uh, knowledge is probably like the most oversold thing. I love knowledge and I will always want to learn more and I want to understand everything in the body. But Jack has pulled me back down to earth a lot. And he's like, Jacob, just work hard. <laughs> Doesn't matter if I align these fibers or I can get this, you know, sternum angle at the right position. Um, just work hard. That's like the underlying principle. Um, so if any coaches out there, yeah, learn your stuff and do your best to get the right position. But end of the day, you've got to work hard. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Right, Jack, good advice. <laughs> um, yep. what's an embarrassing event in the past that's had a permanent effect on you either a good effect or a bad effect embarrassing moment ah, this one's hard this one's hard I probably compartmentalize all the embarrassing moments in my life um, <laughs> the one that comes to mind was that I probably waited I overthought again and waited probably like six dates until I uh, actually kissed my partner um, and it wasn't because she until she messaged me saying hey 
do you actually like me or are we just going to be friends? Like, I'm getting the wrong, I don't know what you want right now because most guys, they kiss me within the first couple of dates, but you've waited like six. So what do you want here? And I was like, ah, oh, man, I just overthought everything and wasn't sure what to do. Uh, yeah, I suck with girls. Um, <laughs> I'm very lucky to have a partner in my life because, man, I'm the most awkward person in the world when it comes to dating. <laughs> Uh, last one here. So what would your ambitions as a person, uh, would they change if you had a year to live? Look, I still love what I do and I still love, and I think I would do what I do until the day I die. Um, I think the only thing that would change is that I would want to be out traveling and exploring the world. I feel the most energized and the most powerful when I'm out meeting new people and experiencing new places. So I'd probably just, if I had one more year in the world, I would probably just go fully online coaching and just explore. <laughs> COVID restrictions, obviously, though. With yeah, yeah. Hopefully, if I have one more year to live, it doesn't involve COVID. <laughs> <laughs> For now, have you got any kind of advice you want to give out to any strength coaches, up and coming strength coaches, maybe just coming out of uni? Yeah, uh, number one thing: go see a psych because I think most of us in this industry. Um, have to deal with a lot of emotion putting on us um, in coaching because clients will tell you a lot of stuff that you're not qualified to deal with. Um, and that does definitely weigh a burden on your mind, um, whether you know it at the start of your coaching career or whether it's four years in like me when I realized, hey, my brain isn't built to deal with all this stuff. So number one thing, yeah, go see a site um, and then finding ways to fill your cup with energy what do you like to do on the weekends it's just you that what well, doesn't have to be just you but it gives you energy um, because you can't fill your clients cups with an empty cup yourself love it get that on a t-shirt <laughs> now the biggest question of the day brother have you got have you got a best yeah your best dad joke yeah when i read this question like i honestly couldn't think of one but I think when I say all the time is whenever I get, I had a haircut last week and I think I said it to like six of my clients and they asked, hey, did you get a haircut? And I was like, nah, I got all of them cut. That's definitely dad material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of my dad used to always say like, when I was getting in the shower, I used to say, oh, dad, I'm just going to jump into the shower. Because you used to always hose the same time I got in the shower and it would impact the, the <laughs> thing. And he'd do it without failure. Just if I was going in the, in the night or the day, he'd still do it anyway. But he's, uh, I'd go and tell him, like, hey, Dad, I'm going to get in the shower. Uh, I'm just going to go jump in the shower. And he'd, same answer every single time. He'd look at me and go, just be careful. Hey, I mean, you got crazy jumping somewhere, somewhere. So why not do it in the shower? Exactly right. Yeah. Anyway, just plyometrics in. Um, <laughs> no, good, mate. Good. Your dad jokes need uh, improving. It'll give you a, a two out of five stars. You've got you to come back to me. If you ever come back on this podcast, we've got to get a better dad joke out there. All right, that's my goal. Sorry. Done. Um, have you got anything that you want to share about with Synergy, what you and Jack are doing in the next, uh, hopefully, future with COVID restrictions uh, pending? But, I mean, what you guys are trying to build, what you guys are doing at PB? Uh, yeah, so at Peninsula Valbao down in Somerville, we're trying to become like the pinnacle of strength on the, on the Mornington Peninsula. Um, and so that's what we feel very strongly about and what we love doing. Um, so that's what we're trying to foster and create over the next, however long we um, have, uh, hopefully COVID lifts and we can actually do that. 
So we're working towards like a, a potential barbell open in August where anyone can come in and test their strength. Um, we've had to cancel the last one because we're in lockdown. So well, fingers across that this next one um, in August, we can actually go ahead with. Yeah. Mate, we're done for the day. So thank you very much for sharing what you were sharing. It means a lot. And I hope everyone got something out of it. I definitely did. But mate, legend. Appreciate it. Great talking to you, Sam. Appreciate it. So thanks to Jacob for jumping on the pod. Really great to have a chat with him. It was good to see his mindset and his uh, attitude post-university or post-graduation of what he did to make it in the industry. So he created a job for himself and basically didn't take no for an answer, which was an awesome attitude to have coming out of university. How he battles with his overthinking, how he trains to satisfy his urge of accountability throughout each day and how that keeps him mentally well throughout each day. How he deals with what's called what he calls a people pleaser and trying to deal with um, making everybody else happy at his own expense and really appreciate him opening up about his time talking to a psychologist for what he calls a PT for the mind and someone who's, or some service that is very necessary for most trainers within the industry. So Jacob shares some great recommendations for some practitioners within the industry. So I definitely recommend following through with those. And at any time you feel like some of this content has triggered you in any way, please feel free to just message myself or Jacob and we'll work through it with you. But for now, I'll see you guys next time.